Welcome to the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Vidala, and we're going to talk about music theory, lyric writing, creative productivity, inspiration, and more. I'm super excited to have you here, so let's dive into the episode. Hey friend, before we dive into the podcast, I just want to give a quick thank you, uh, because you're here, it's episode 10, and... I'm just super excited about doing this podcast, and I I see that there's been more listeners pretty much each podcast, and that's just really exciting for me. And I hope that's a sign that what I'm talking about is helpful, and um, I'm glad that you're enjoying it. So if you are enjoying the podcast, please uh, leave a comment or a review or something like that. Let me know how I'm doing. Give me uh, maybe some ideas of what you would like me to talk about. Uh, if you don't want to leave a review for whatever reason, totally fine. Um, you can email me at joseph at songwritertheory.com and, and let me know what I can do to help you. Because I, I don't have a podcast just to hear myself talk. Because frankly, I can hear myself talk without having a podcast. I hear myself talk quite a bit without it, actually, believe it or not. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here to talk about what will help you. So, so I'm not just saying this. I would love, love, love to get an email from, from all of you, giving me as, as much, um, feedback or as many ideas of, of what you want me to talk about as possible because I will happily cover those things. Um, I'm happy to dive into whatever subject material will help you the most because that's what I'm here for. Um, but regardless of all that, I just really appreciate that you're here and I just really appreciate you. So I want to start with, off with that. Um, so for the subject today, we are going to talk about what I call my Christopher Nolan, um, principle of creativity. So if you've lived under a rock for the past 10, 15 years, and you don't know who Christopher Nolan is, he is the writer and director of the very acclaimed Dark Knight trilogy. Um, which if you don't already know, oh, oh, that guy, uh, I don't know what to say, but I'll keep going. Um, he's also done the prestige, which is phenomenal, uh, but not as well known, uh, inception. He's very well known for, uh, recently he's done Dunkirk and, um, uh, um, let's see. What was, what was the other one I was going to mention? Uh, interstellar. Interstellar is the other one that you probably know him for. And so that's who that is. And if you're asking what does a filmmaker have to do with songwriting, we're going to talk about that. And basically, here's a little side note. So I personally don't buy that we need to know music history to write great songs. So many people are going to tell you, oh, like, you don't know the Beatles? Like, how do you not know or like or whatever the Beatles? Or how do you, you know, you're a rock musician. How do you not, you know, 
study Nirvana or, or, or something like that. Or how can you not like Metallica? Or what do you mean you don't know this song by Metallica? And none of that matters. It just, it just doesn't matter. And there's so many reasons for this. One is that at the end of the day, you're going to be your own artist anyway. And your own art is going to come from a sphere of influence. So for me personally as an artist, you know, I have bands I really like that absolutely inform my own sound. And then I have bands I really like that honestly have almost no influence on the, on my sound. And then my sound sometimes sounds like artists that I've never even heard before. And I'm like, oh, okay, I, I, I like them because they kind of remind me of, and usually, you know, we write stuff like that we like. So usually if you hear something that you think they write similarly to how you do, you're probably going to like it. Not because you think you're great, but because what you write is something that you think is great, obviously, because that's why you write it that way. Uh, so if you like, you know, harder rock music with darker lyrics, then that's probably what you're going to write. Um, so that being said, just because I don't buy that music history, if you want to call it that, is important. And that I really don't, I, I don't think how much you know about the Beatles or how much you like the Beatles has anything to do with your ability to songwrite at all. Has nothing to do with it. Doesn't matter. But I do think it's very important to know who you are as an artist, understand your identity. And I think a part of that is really getting into your creative philosophy, sort of, and your creative values. And I'm going to talk about that a ton over the course of, of this songwriter theory that we're, we're doing here. So you're going to hear me for the next several years go into all that I mean with that and, and, and how to like figure out your identity and all that kind of stuff. But I give you that intro to give you sort of an idea of like why we're talking about Christopher Nolan, even though it has nothing to do with music. And the short answer to that is just because a creator has nothing to do with music, music is creation and movie making is creation and painting is creation and novel writing is creation. And at some point there are aspects that unite all of those things. And we certainly can draw creative principles from people outside of what we do. Just like an athlete who might play football could get inspiration from a swimmer or something. You know what I mean? Like Michael Phelps is incredible. And I'm sure that there's some little kid out there right now who wants to be an NFL star that also looks at Michael Phelps and says, there's something about the way he trains that I want to take myself. He doesn't need to take, you know, his, his training philosophy from a football player just because he's a football player, right? So sort of that idea. So Christopher Nolan, <clears throat> what do I mean by this Christopher Nolan principle? There's a lot of you who think that to write high art or to write music that has a, a true artistic quality to it, you have to write some hipster stuff that nobody listens to and nobody will like and it's really pretentious and it thinks it's so great 
and it's probably in some crazy time signature, like 9-11 time, and you know that music listeners, for the most part, their attention span is a song of like three to five minutes, so you're like, well, screw them, I'm gonna do a 10-minute song, because that's more artistic. There's, there's you out there, and then there's the people on the other side, the you know, would-be sellouts, I guess you'd call them, which are the people who um, really what they want is how do I get a song on the radio? Now, let me specify here. I think we all agree that no matter where we are on that spectrum, we all would love to hear our song on the radio, right? Of course we would. And there's a difference between that and just wanting, you know, the science behind how to get something on the radio and, you know, wanting to be a pop star who's rolling in money and doesn't really care about the music. It's more the fame aspect or something. So there's a huge spectrum there. And then there's lots of people who they, they may feel called to one side of the spectrum, you know. Maybe basic pop is just what they feel called to and they feel bad because they don't think that they can also make it artistic. And then people who write super artsy stuff and don't think that they can make music that people like. Um, and by people like, I mean, you know, besides your small niche or niche or however you say that word. And I think Christopher Nolan proves that you don't have to choose. So let's go into some stats here. Christopher Nolan has made 10 feature-length films. One of them, the first one, he totally self-funded and wasn't released at all. He made $84,000 from that movie. So basically nothing, and it doesn't really count. So really he's made nine feature-length films. And with those nine feature-length films, um, they have grossed a total of 475 billion dollars which if you do the math even with even counting that first one that only made eighty four thousand dollars because he made it on his own budget and it wasn't actually released that's still 475 million per movie and uh if you do account for that and you just take that one out that means his movies average 528 million dollars per movie so half a billion dollars per movie over nine movies, which for frame of reference, um, as far as the top grossing movie of the year. So, you know, every year there at the end of the year, there's, you know, the, the highest grossing movie. And then they have a whole rank all the way down to, you know, however many, much stats they keep up with. Um, I think there are some that are like, they even keep track of like, oh, this movie made $1,000 and nobody's heard of it, but here it is. Um, but for a frame of reference, his last seven films um, for their year were ranked 19, 10, 3, 4, 1, 55, and 9. So of his last seven, you got five of them in the top 10. And you have three of them in the top five. So one would say, I would think, that his movies are very commercially successful. So they have lots of people that go to them. 
And as I mentioned at the beginning, you live under a rock if you don't know what the Dark Knight trilogy is, right? Everybody knows, especially the the specific movie, The Dark Knight, which is the second one in the trilogy, with Heath Ledger's masterful Joker in it. Everybody knows that movie because um, it's it's widely considered the the greatest superhero film ever made. Um, I would argue by a wide margin. Um, and also Inception, right? Everybody knows Inception. If you haven't seen Inception, go see Inception. If you haven't seen either of those movies, please do yourself a favor and see those movies. And even his his not as well loved movies like Interstellar are still super widely loved. Tons of people went to see it and it still scored really high on Rotten Tomatoes, which we're about to get into. And just overall was still a success. Uh, when you're Christopher Nolan, a regular success feels like failure um, because his standard is so high. So, so we've proven like, all right, he's commercially su- accessible, right? Lots of people like him. He's not the type of guy that, uh, oh, only the critics and the award givers like him. You know, he, he's not right. He's not making Oscar grab movies as you, you know how like that time of year comes and there's a bunch of movies that you can tell they they don't even care about the money. They're just trying to win an Oscar. Like he doesn't do that as evidenced by how popular his movies are. Right. Um, so, so, so then you ask, well, okay, but is he like making movies like Marvel movies and, or Transformers movies where, yeah, sure. They bring in the big bucks, but like they're not really, high art right they're not i don't think anybody's ever made a marvel movie or transformers movie and been like wow i'm gonna leave a great legacy behind of great filmmaking like no there's there are a dime a dozen and nobody cares um even even if you're insulted that i just said that and you're like i love the marvel cinematic universe like let's be honest there's like 16 of those movies they're all gonna fade together in 10 years, you're going to, there'll be even 50 more of them. And there's going to be like maybe two or three that stick out as the best of the bunch. And all the rest are just like, yeah, whatever. Um, so let's, let's address this concern that, oh, maybe he's just popular and he doesn't write, you know, quality art. Well, I think most of us would agree that because movies are called like Oscar grabs and stuff like that, that Oscars, though they may be pretentious and very much are pretentious lots of times, as is a lot of things Hollywood. Um, but I think we, we all would agree that if you win a lot of Oscars, that, that probably means, you know, it's not a popularity contest. That's for sure. It's they really are um, addressing what they believe to be quality. So of his. 10 movies, again, only nine of which really count, but sure, we'll go with 10. He has, um, his movies, I should say, have 34 Oscar nominations and 10 wins, which if you do the math, his movies, on average, get 3.4 Oscar nominations per movie, and they get one win per movie, which (laughs) I would say is pretty good, right? I mean, that's... I would take that for sure. And he personally has been nominated for five Oscars, five British Academy Film Awards, and six Golden Globes, which those are sort of the big three of the awards. 
Um, and he has like hundreds of nominations if you include all the different awards. But those are the three that, that people actually care about, if they care at all. Um, well, okay, so let's look at Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes is, is you know, they take a, they aggregate together all what all the critics are saying, um, or what their list of critics are saying. And, you know, that can be a decent way sometimes to gauge the critical and the audience reception to a movie, because they have the audience tomato meter, and then they have the, the critic one. So let's, let's, let's see what his critic ratings are. Well, of his 10 movies, all 10 are fresh. All of them. And 9 out of the 10 are certified fresh. Which, if you don't know what certified fresh is, I believe it has to be above 75%, and it has to have a certain uh, number of people who considered it fresh. I, I forget what that number is, but certified fresh is basically the highest thing you can achieve on Rotten Tomatoes. So 9 out of the 10 are that. And as far as the percentages... Four out of the ten are in the 90s. Four out of the ten are in the 80s. And then there's two lowly films in the 70s. Um, which, for frame of reference, I mean, I mean, 70s is still pretty, pretty solid, for sure. There's lots of movies that would kill to be in the 50s. Um, so it looks like the critics and the awards love them, too. And... So what's the point to all this? The, the point here is you don't have to sell out and you don't have to make pretentious stuff that only three people can understand. You can make great art that that people like and is still great art. That can be a thing. You can do that. And for me personally, that's absolutely my mission. Um, everything I write, I want it to be genuine from me and I want it to be the type of thing that somebody that doesn't have, you know, isn't pretentious about music at all and doesn't really have standards and just listens and thinks to themselves, do I find this enjoyable? So that's the like most shallow level of listening, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But like, you know, these are the people that, you know, just kind of listen to pop radio, don't know anything about music really. And they're just like, oh, yeah, I like that song. And that's about as deep as their critic goes, if you will. I want those people to be able to like my song so they don't think it's boring and they think the melody is memorable and they might not even pay attention to the lyrics, right? Because they like pop music, so <laughs> how much could they possibly pay attention to the lyrics? Um, but but also people who want some interesting music theory, some, some people who are like, oh, wow, he used a three chord and a two chord. Um, and... And, oh, I like what he did with the voicings there. And he never uses 1564, the most beaten-to-death chord progression on the planet. Uh, not technically true. There's one song I used it intentionally for one part, but that's besides the point. Um, and, and that's just me. So you don't have to be that way, obviously. But uh, what the point here is, is that you can be both. And you don't have to even think about it because if you're just true to yourself true to your art and true to what your heart wants to say through your music you can do both so you don't have to worry about like oh is this like poppy enough is this accessible enough for people like it don't worry about it don't worry about that just make it genuine if it's genuine and it moves people people will like it um 
not everybody will like it, but no, nobody has ever written a song that everybody likes. Ever. Ever. No matter what, there will always be people who don't like it. There will always be lots of people who don't like it. Because, you know, for every person that thinks the song by John Lennon, Imagine, is great, there's people like me who think it's like the epitome of pretentious trash that is meaningless and it just asks a bunch of stupid questions and doesn't give you any answers. And they're stupid questions too, because if you think that the world would be better without any government or any countries or any God, then like, really? Really? You... Like, we tried that. That's why we created societies, right? You realize, like, with tribalism, that's when people cut each other's hearts out and had endless war, and we didn't have, we didn't even have any health care at all before, before there were countries. But sure, yes, let's go back to that. That's brilliant. Thank you, John Lennon, Mr. Communist. But anyway, you get my point there, right? So right now, you're either thinking... Well, you might be in the middle, or you might be, like, really triggered that I just said that, and you're yelling at whatever device you're listening to me with, like, no, it's a great song! Or you're saying, oh my gosh, thank God, somebody else thinks it's trash, and somebody else is calling it for what it is instead of just being like, oh yeah, it's a great song. And and no matter what, it's making my point, right? Like, some people are going to love what you do, some people are going to hate it, and it doesn't matter. You can't worry about that. So just write something genuine from the heart. Write something compelling and just write something good. You know, that's, that's really what this all comes down to. Christopher Nolan just makes good stuff. I don't think he asks himself, oh, is this going to be popular? I don't think he asks himself, like, you know, because Heath Ledger's Joker, before it came out, when people heard how dark it was going to be and stuff, people were all like, oh, that's not the Joker. He's supposed to be this and this. And here we are 10 years later um, or so, and... He's unanimously considered the greatest comic book villain ever on the screen, ever, by a million years. Like, it's not even close. It's like him and then everybody else. It's, it's just not even close. So, you know, sometimes people, people don't even know what they want. So you can't worry about any of that. Just be true to yourself. Be true to what you, you are as an artist. Doesn't matter what genre it is. None of that matters. None of that has anything to do with the quality of it. But if you write a great lyric with a melody that moves people or makes people want to tap their foot or whatever you're going for, and it's just good stuff, people will like it. And it can be successful in every possible um, sense of the word, success, whether that to you is money or, or fame or just you know being able to have a concert that people go to or having diehard fans, no matter what that is, you can achieve that just by writing good stuff. So don't worry so much about all the like, oh, am I selling out? Or Don't worry about it. Write good stuff. Thanks for listening to the Songwriter Theory Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. If you want to jumpstart your songwriting, be sure to download my free guide on 10 proven ways to start writing a song at songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Whether you're brand new to songwriting or a seasoned vet, this guide will help you to avoid staring at a blank page wondering where to start. Even if you just want to figure out some different ways to start writing a song, this free guide is for you.